This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And if you enjoy what we do here at Locked on Rockets, do me a huge favor. Make the show your first listen of the day wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, or Make it your first listen over on YouTube at our brand new YouTube cha- YouTube page. Please subscribe. I would sincerely appreciate it. Now we got so much to get into from the Rockets preseason opener. So many takeaways from this one. And the very first place we got to stop. So, I mean, you know, final score, 125-119. And the, the, the man who stole the show, right? The man of the hour, the player of the game for the Houston Rockets has to be one Kevin Porter Jr., who really showed a lot of poise in this game. You know, I think throughout throughout the game, he did an exceptional job. And, and Steven Silas remarked on this post game. KPJ did a great job balancing his role as both a scorer for this team, as well as a facilitator for this team. And that's not an easy job to do, right? And when Kevin Porter Jr. was asked post-game how he felt about his play, he basically said his priority, his goal, is to go out there and get his guys involved first because he feels like he can get a bucket whenever he wants. So his goal is to go out there, get others involved, try to set up his guys first, and then turn it on a little bit later. Sounds not unlike a left-handed guard that the Rockets were intimately familiar with over the past decade or so. Um, I cannot count the number of times that James Harden started a game and looked to be, I guess, not aggressive whatsoever looking for his own shot, but was like over-aggressive and looking to get others involved. And then just, you know, halfway through the second quarter or to start the third, he just takes over the game and he starts, you know, dropping buckets left and right. In this one, it kind of felt that same way for Kevin Porter Jr. He finished the first half with 12 points and four assists. And there were times in that first half where he was actively looking, or I guess actively passing up opportunities for himself to try and get others involved. And you know, a couple of them to his detriment. He had a, he had a few turnovers, you know, and that's what's going to happen when you're the primary ball handler for a team. You know, I'm not going to harp on him too much. He had four turnovers uh, to go with the rest of his really incredible stat line. 25 points on 9 of 16 shooting, 5 of 10 from behind the arc. Just two free throws attempted in this one. Uh, had four rebounds, had five assists, and also had a steal and a block. So a really impressive stat line across the board for Kevin Porter Jr. But again, what really stood out was his ability to kind of shift the mentality because after really looking to get others involved in that first half, he started that third quarter. And I mean, he went on a tear in that third quarter, had multiple three pointers, uh, had you know five for the game. And it really felt like in that third quarter, he started to be a little bit more aggressive looking for his own shot, uh, including that four point play that he had, I believe. Um, and so with KPJ, that's going to be his 
toughest challenge, I think, is being able to kind of shift back and forth between those two roles, respectively, depending on what the team needs on a nightly basis, right? Because there might be a night where Christian Wood and Jalen Green are going off, right? They're filling up the bucket. No worries. They're, they've got it going. Great. And KPJ can just be the facilitator for those two guys. He can rack up, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 assists on a night like that. But on a night like tonight, where Christian Wood, you know, didn't, I don't want to say he didn't have it going. Um, he was definitely struggling from the free throw line, as were the entire you know, Rockets as a team, uh, some, some free throw line struggles, unfortunately left a lot of points at the charity stripe, just 22 of 37 free throw shooting as a team for the Houston Rockets, Christian Wood, just two of seven, which you really like to see that number improve. Christian Wood is too good of a player to be shooting two of seven at the free throw line. But again, it's a preseason game. I'm not going to get, you know, too harsh on these guys. Um, Seawood didn't get a lot of usage in this game, right? You know, he only had five shot attempts. Um, didn't really feel like he was, you know, heavily involved in a lot of what was going on offensively at times for the Rockets. And he also only played 23 minutes, right? Kevin Porter Jr. wound up being the high minutes man after Steven Silas came out during Rocket shoot around uh, earlier in the day before the game and basically said that he plans to, you know, kind of divvy up the minutes. Nobody was going to play more than 25 minutes. Uh, and he really wanted to try and get to, uh, 14 guys, you know, 14 guys deep on the roster. Uh, KPJ wound up playing 29. Jalen Green wound up playing 28. But then he held true to his word. Nobody else played more than 25 minutes past those two guys. So it kind of makes sense, right? He wanted to let the backcourt of the future really get their re really get their reps, really get their run in. Um, but with KPJ, it felt like because Seawood kind of wasn't, you know, as much of a focal point in this game offensively as he probably will be moving forward. And then because Jalen Green didn't really exactly have it going from outside, he was aggressive when he had the ball in his hands driving towards the rim. And we saw plenty of explosive highlight plays out of Jalen Green. He did not have his outside shot going just oh of six from behind the arc for Jalen Green. So KPJ took it upon himself to be the primary scorer for this team. And that's something that he's more than capable of doing. And it'll be really interesting to see him grow into this lead guard, this primary guard, primary facilitator role, and see how he balances being the primary facilitator, being the orchestrator of this Rockets offense, and simultaneously being able to step into more of a scoring role as needed, depending on what the rest of the team looks like on a nightly basis. So KPJ had a really phenomenal game. Uh, I think he did a great job really controlling the flow, trying to get teammates involved, and then really stepping up in that third quarter. And again, keep in mind, he did 25 points in 29 minutes of run. Uh, if if this was a regular game and KPJ had gotten his, you know, probably usual 34, 36 minutes that he's probably going to get on a nightly basis, he could have easily gone for a 30 burger, maybe even would have been pushing 40 because he absolutely had the hot hand in that third quarter. So coming up, I want to keep breaking down different parts of this game, other parts that stood out, things that we learned from this game about the Rockets moving forward. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Sweat Block because look, sweat is kind of gross, right? Being straight up, right? Unless you're at the gym working up a good sweat there, sweat can be gross. It can be uncomfortable. It can cause anxiety. You can, you know, you're freaking out about, oh, I'm sweating through my shirt, right? It's not great. Sweat block can help you out with that, right? Doctor created, doctor recommended. It works for up to seven days per application. They have a dry shirt guarantee. So sweat block doesn't keep you dry. You get your money back, no questions asked. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by actual firefighters. So if it works for firefighters, it's probably gonna work for you, right? It's stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. Basically, 
You just put it on at night before you go to bed. Next morning, wake up, wash, take a shower, just go about your day, get ready, all that good stuff, head out the door, and you don't have to worry about sweat anymore. It covers you up. It, it really does take care of you, and you can check it out. Just visit sweatblock.com and use promo code Locked On to receive 20% off. It's also available at Amazon and CVS. So again, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's, you know, I've only used it once or twice a week since I started, you know, hearing about Sweatblock block and it really does work and again we're based in houston right or i'm based in houston bayou city and you know if it works here in bayou city i'm sure it'll work for you so again use promo code locked on for 20 percent off at sweatblock.com and another message from our friends over at sleeper because in 2018 the fantasy sports experts at sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week it made no sense and required very little strategy so in 2020 sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball it's called game pick and it's only available on sleeper in game pick owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score ensuring an even number of games played between opponents finally a fair way to play fantasy right Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy, if you prefer building out a, you know, a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, kind of stepping a little bit further away and looking at the game you know, as a whole, uh, the Rockets really did go kind of back and forth with, with the Wizards in this one. Um, I want to say, what was it, going into the fourth quarter? Yeah, tie game going into the fourth quarter. I was right. Um, so 91-91 going into the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, that top of the fourth quarter was kind of all Wizards for, for a little bit. Um, the Rockets at one point trailing 103-95. to And then they went on an absurd 28-16 to run to close out the game, spearheaded by one Josh Christopher off the bench, who made the absolute most of his nine minutes uh, in this game, uh, his NBA debut. I mean, just like, the series of where's where's my play by play the series of like shots and just plays involving Josh Christopher from when he was subbed into the game uh he goes right so he gets a a three pointer so it's 103 103 uh Usman Garuba has a little layup makes it 10 197 uh i apologize yeah 1039 103 this log is super messed up love that um, and then Josh Christopher basically drills three triples in a row in the span of like two minutes, you know, checks in, hits a three, 103, 100, uh, wizards hit a couple more free throws. Uh, Josh Christopher hits another three, then another three. I mean, it was, it was a barrage of threes for Josh Christopher. He also had a couple assists. He had some defensive plays in there. He really came in and absolutely impacted this game and set up the Rockets for a win down the stretch, a nail biter preseason win where Armani Brooks of all people was able to uh, really cap off this Rockets run uh, with a three pointer to give them a little bit of breathing room. Armani Brooks icing a three pointer with just under. 40 seconds left to play in this game, giving the Rockets a three-point advantage. Then Jordan Goodwin comes back down, hits a two on the other end, makes it a one-point game. And then thankfully, Dante Exum, who exists, right? Craig Ackerman on the broadcast saying the legend of Dante Exum um, was a, you know, a, a miraculous moment. Loved that. Uh, loved hearing Craig 
use that joke. Uh, Dante Exum comes in, ices a couple free throws, and then it basically becomes a free throw battle back and forth. Uh, Armani Brooks hits a, co- a few free throws down the stretch, and that's all she wrote. The Rockets win the game. Throughout those first three quarters, though, before we got to the fourth quarter where it was the the flurry, the barrage led by Josh Christopher, who, again, played absolutely out of his mind in his in his opener, um, really came in prepared, talked about post game with Kaylee Griffin that, you know, he has really been working on his shot because that's been a big question of his game and, and how that's going to translate at the NBA level. But for him to come into his first NBA game, be it a preseason game, sure, but for him to come into this game, have 11 points, shoot three of three from behind the arc, four or five from the floor overall, had two rebounds, had two assists, had a steal, did have three turnovers in just nine minutes, but that's what you're, that's what's going to happen when you're handling the ball as much as he does. Um, it was it was really impressive, and Josh Christopher continues to show every time he hits the floor that he is going to be a force at the NBA level. I really think that he's going to have a special, special career, and hopefully it's with the Rockets for a very, very long time. Um, going through those first three quarters, I do think that the Rockets offensively looked really solid, um, creating opportunities for each other. Uh, I was really impressed with the amount of dribble handoff sets they were running both for for and involving Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun specifically. So I really thought Jalen Green thrived when he had the ball in his hands and when he was able to just go right. I think where he struggled was clearly his outside shot. Couldn't get a single three pointer to fall in this game. Just 0 of six shooting from behind the arc. Uh, did finish the game 12 points on four of 14 shooting. So if you subtract those six missed triples, he was four of eight inside the arc, right? All, all shots at the rim. I believe, I don't think he took a single two pointer um, or a, I should apologize. I don't think he took a single mid range shot. Um, he also had six rebounds and two assists. Didn't have a turnover. So I think Jalen Green was very aggressive when he was able to, there were, there were possessions where he was able to get the ball kind of going downhill off of a dribble handoff set from, from either C Wood or from Alperin Shingun or Daniel Tice and kind of really get going at the rim. And it was insane to watch that burst of speed again. Right? So when I saw it in person at summer league, I was just like, my jaw almost hit the floor and I only got to see two quarters of it before he sat out with the hamstring tightness, unfortunately, but the way that he changes his like his change of direction and then his change of speed when he decides he wants to go from you know 60 to 100 it is insane and he did that multiple times in this game and then able to keep the handle alive while doing it and then splitting you know at times multiple defenders i think there was one where he came off a dribble handoff set started driving baseline switched to his left hand and kind of did a through the legs dribble and rose up between two defenders and got fouled and went to the free throw line because of it. And it was that change of speed and direction simultaneously that allowed him to get that opportunity. And then we saw him kind of dancing on the perimeter a little bit. Uh, I believe it was, I think it was Kyle Kuzma that he crossed into like next Sunday uh, when he went in for that, uh, for his opening bucket of the night, which, you know, for a first NBA bucket, I know it's not his real first NBA bucket yet because it's a preseason game, but for his first NBA bucket wearing an actual Rockets jersey on the Toyota center floor to be able to cross somebody and send them flying one direction and then go in and finish over two defenders at the rim. He wanted to yam that ball down. He wanted to dunk. He wanted to have a highlight. It was still a highlight real play, but he wanted like a, you know, a number one sports center highlight play for his first pair of NBA points. 
didn't quite get it, but the way that he finished, the way that he uses athleticism to beat his man, explode towards the rim, jump into the air, and then hang and finish through that contact over two guys, entirely impressive. So Jalen Green showed a lot of promise in this game. I wouldn't be freaked out about the three-point shot, right? He showed that he is a consistent quality three-point shooter in the G League, and you chalk this one up to maybe a little bit of first-game jitters. Maybe he just didn't have the shot tonight, right? But he found other ways to be effective. And really, the thing that stood out to me the most, those six rebounds of his, right? Jalen Green was actively rebounding the basketball. In fact, I think he was, was he up there for... I mean, third most rebounds on the team, right? Jalen Green had six boards. Christian Wood finished with seven. And then off the bench, Alperin Shingun had eight. So yeah, he finished with the third most rebounds on the Rockets team. And when he was able to secure those rebounds, he looked to get out and push in transition. And that's where I really felt like he was the most successful with the basketball was off of those dribble handoff sets, getting those rebounds, actively really pushing in transition, and then trying to make something happen for either himself or for one of his teammates. Alperin Shingun is the other guy that I want to talk about for a second here because he looks great in this game. You know, Shingun doing Shingun things. How can you not love him? I'm so happy watching him play basketball because he's incredibly unselfish and he's just a smart player. He does so many little things. Like one, he boxes out early, right? Anytime. Look, the next time the Rockets play and you see Alperin Shingun on the floor, the moment a shot goes up, watch what Shingun is doing. He does his work early, boxing out opposing players, clearing his space. He's just got a great nose for the basketball, right? And he's he's that's why he's track tracks down at such an insane amount of rebounds. Even in what he played 13 minutes, had eight rebounds in 13 minutes. That's absurd off the bench. Uh, and three of them were offensive boards. He's got a great nose for you know, tracking down offensive rebounds and getting those putbacks, getting those easy opportunities off of mistakes or missed shots by teammates. But then we also saw the offense kind of run through him a little bit at times. And talking about those dribble handoff sets, there were times where Shingun had a couple passes out of those dribble handoff sets. One, I think probably my honestly might might be my favorite play of the game, uh, besides some of those really juicy, spicy, you know, KPJ stepbacks, because those were incredible. But my favorite, probably like team-oriented play of the game was they gave the ball to Alper and Shingun in the high post. He, you know, had the ball, was, uh, you know, was looking, and then KJ Martin had a backdoor cut. Shingun hit him with a beautiful little bounce pass. KJ had his man beat and then sucked in the defense right at the rim. And instead of forcing a contested shot at the rim or trying to yam it home and create a poster, which let's face it, KJ probably could have done that. He had, he took what could have been a good shot and made it a better shot by kicking it out to the corner to a wide open DJ Augustine who drained the three pointer. So it's that level of ball movement. And it all started with Alper and Shingun by realizing he had KJ on the wing and then KJ and Shingun being able to connect, having that chemistry and then hitting him for a beautiful backdoor bounce pass towards the, you know, leading him towards the rim. And then we also saw Shingun kind of take the take matters into his own uh, into his own hands a few times in the game where he was set up for like a dribble handoff play and as the you know as the Rockets guard or player was coming around for the dribble handoff set he would fake the handoff and then slip the DHO set and then just either you know power towards the rim spin towards the rim you know utilizes little behind the back spin crossover pivot step all of that and get to the rim and create something either an opportunity to dish to somebody else or an opportunity for for him to score at the rim as well now he was just one of four at the charity stripe so he went there four times uh only shot the ball four times was two of four shooting from the floor only had the five points but he had eight rebounds had three assists had a steal had a block did have two turnovers 
Biggest area of concern for me with Shingun is the foul trouble. He had five fouls in 13 minutes of run. So that's going to be something that he's going to have to work on. Um, and again, I think that what we saw out of him in Summer League and what I think we're going to continue to see out of him is his ability to stay vertical um, when he's contesting shots. I do think some of the fouls you know, may have just been speed of the game, that kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, that's going to be an area that we have to watch for with Alper and Shingun. That's going to be an area to watch for for all these rookies, right? Is they're going to have some foul trouble in some of these games where they're just not realizing like how quick the opposing team is. They're going to get beat occasionally, and they have no recourse other than to foul to prevent easy buckets. So really excited for what we saw out of Shingun, both the playmaking, uh, both the you know the way that he was being utilized offensively to set up others. It was really exciting to see him kind of you know. Put his, uh, put his imprint on this Rockets game. So coming up, I want to dive into some thoughts about the defense as well as final thoughts uh, on some individuals from this game. There's so many guys to be able to talk about, so many different takeaways. Uh, and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Because look, with football back, BetOnline is 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 back and better than ever for all your pro and college football needs. They've also got you covered for basketball, MLB, you name it. They've got it over at BetOnline. They've got a new updated site and interface with more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything betting that you could ever imagine. So head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus. 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus from football basketball boxing right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, looking down the Wizards, uh, Bradley Beal, 21 minutes at 18 points. Spencer Didwindy, 14 points in 21 minutes. Uh, both of those guys shooting, you know, roughly the same Beal was six of 12 from the field, Dinwiddie five of 10, um, all the wizard starters scored in double figures. Uh, Gafford had 10 points, six boards, Kispert 12 points on five of nine shooting. And then Kuzma 11 points, but on a, you know, kind of rough three of 10 shooting. And then off the bench, uh, Aaron holiday was kind of the high point man off the bench for the wizards. Probably. I mean, was there a high point man for the game? No, Beal beat him by one point, um, had 17 points off the bench two of three from behind the arc, five of 10 shooting overall. I think defensively for the Rockets, there were some questions. Um, you know, at times it felt like with the double big lineup out there, it felt like there were some times where the defense wasn't quite what it's going to need to be to keep up uh, as we approach the regular season. I think there were multiple opportunity or multiple opportunities for the Wizards where Christian Wood, I don't, I don't want to say he was asleep on defense because he wasn't asleep. It was just like he was kind of sagging off of certain shooters. Like he was sagging off of like Kuzma a couple times. Um, and I don't know if he was doing it because he didn't want Kuzma to like, you know, catch and like beat him off the dribble or if he was like, trying to you know help clog up the lane for potential drives, what have you. But defensively, it really felt like the the Wizards got some really wide open looks, especially in that third, or I apologize, especially in that second quarter. Uh, really felt like the Wizards were kind of getting whatever they wanted offensively. The rotations weren't exactly right where they needed to be. But overall, defensively, especially in that fourth quarter, now this could just be a, a side effect of the fact that the Wizards starters were all resting and uh, the Rockets were running their bench unit. And maybe they just had you know more depth, better bench play than the, the Wizards did out of that 
you know, respective group of five, five players for each team. But uh, defensively, they the Rockets kind of it felt like they locked in a little bit more in that fourth quarter. Again, they went on that uh, pretty insane run to close out the game, the 28 to 16 run uh, spearheaded by Josh Christopher. And in that run, we saw, you know, Usman Garuba as part of that lineup. We saw Armani Brooks as part of that lineup, Dante Exum as part of that lineup. Um, and defensively, it felt like they kind of locked in a little bit more and were able to get some consistent stops uh, to be able to slow the Wizards down a little bit, as well as just them being on fire offensively. But I think Daniel Tice looked really good in this game. Uh, his ability to switch on to some of those smaller players that the Wizards were trotting out there was impressive. Um, I wasn't as impressed with Christian Wood's ability to switch, so we will see, uh, you know, over time if Christian Wood can get to a point where he is, you know, readily comfortable to switch out to smaller players on the perimeter. He's been saying he's taking a lot of pride in his defense, so we'll see where that goes. Daniel Tice looked really good in this game. 12 points, 5 rebounds, uh, no assists, no steals, no blocks, uh, but overall 5-9 shooting from the floor. Didn't hit a single three-pointer. And that's going to be a concern moving forward with Daniel Tice. Is can he effectively space the floor for this Rockets team? Or are they going to have to use him as like their primary, you know, rim runner rolling threat so that Christian Wood can be the spot up threat instead? Because if Tice can't keep defenses honest by hitting threes, then the spacing is going to be all kinds of jacked up for this Rockets offense. Um, Eric Gordon was the Rockets starting small forward. So tally your bets. Whoever, you know, had bets, who had, if you had money placed on Eric Gordon being the starting small forward for the Houston Rockets, uh, come collect your winnings. Uh, I was still firmly in the camp that Jay Sean Tate should be the starter for defensive purposes, for flexibility with switching, all of these things. Um, the ability to play up defensively, I think, is a big one because, you know, if you're trotting out KPJ, Jalen Green is your backcourt. Yes, those guys are, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 if you count KPJ's hair, sure. Uh, but they're not exactly able to play up past guarding, you know, guards because they just don't have the mass to do it. Eric Gordon can play up, but he's giving up a lot of size to do it because he's only 6'4". Um, he's, you know, broad. He's got the strong shoulders. Like, he can play up a little bit, but you're giving up a lot of length, a lot of size by playing Eric Gordon at your, at your three spot. Um, I know Jay Sean Tate's not that much of a jump up cause he's only six, five. Uh, but again, I, I just, I was not a big fan of the decision. What I was a big fan of the decision, what I was a big fan of was the substitution patterns that we saw and the lineups that included Christian Wood at the five spot. And I think it was the very first substitution of the game where Steven Silas brought in, uh, Jay Sean Tate and Daniel House Jr. for Eric Gordon and Daniel Tice. And that gave the Rockets kind of a small ball run and gun lineup of KPJ, Green, Tate, House, and Wood. And I think those lineups are honestly going to be some of my favorites uh, where they're basically running Wood at the five and then some combination of a guard and then multiple forwards or however, you know, however they want to split it up. And so that confirms who the Rockets starter is going to be moving forward. I don't expect this to suddenly like deviate. I don't expect Steven Silas to suddenly tap another player to be the starter in the next preseason game and then a different one in the next one. I don't think he's going to like be trying to look at different, you know, different starting lineups. I think that's what training camp was for. And they settled on Eric Gordon being the starter because he wants to have that veteran presence out there. He wants to, you know, have the two-way capabilities of Eric Gordon on the floor, somebody who can be effective without necessarily having the ball in his hands offensively as a spot-up shooter. I do think it kind of takes away some of what Eric Gordon is good at because he is so lethal when you get the ball in his hands and he's able to get you know a full head of steam going towards the rim. He can be really effective finishing inside 
And I think that kind of takes away some scoring punch or some potential scoring punch from the bench. But if the substitution pattern is just going to be him sitting at the seven minute ish mark early in the games, then it's not the end of the world because then you get subbed back into the games, you know, probably by the end of the first quarter. Um, so as long as that substitution pattern works for Eric Gordon, we can, you know, play it by ear, see how it plays out. Um, but we did also, so in addition to confirming the suspicions about the the fifth starter for this Rockets team, the nod going to Eric Gordon, um, I kind of speculated that we wouldn't see Daniel Tice and Alperin Shingun share the floor at all, and we didn't. Um, the Rockets, I think, are definitely viewing those two guys as their exclusive cent, you know, center-only options. And you know, originally, I thought there might be cause for them to play a little bit of Tice Shingoon together or a little bit of Shingoon and Wood together, that kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, I think the only two big lineup we're going to see is going to be uh, Christian Wood and, or I apologize, uh, I think we're not going to see Tice and Shingoon share the floor at all together. We will see those guys share the floor with Wood at times at the four spot, but we're not going to see those two guys share the floor together themselves and we didn't see that in this game so as far as substitution patterns go and who can who we can realistically expect to play minutes at the five spot moving forward it'll be some combo of tice shingun and then wood cleaning up the rest of those backup minutes so that they can utilize the forward minutes across the rest of the lineup for the rest of the guys um kj martin kj martin was great in this game he was explosive he was kind of like a demolition man at times um you know finishing at the rim he had that one insane alley it wasn't quite an alley because it wasn't an alley dunk it was just a lob pass by josh christopher and it just was a ridiculous display of kj's athleticism where he was able to go up off the wrong leg catch the pass secure it and then get it back to his off hand and still kiss it up off the backboard and make it in and then was fouled as well. So had an and one opportunity and then missed the and one opportunity, uh, but was able to secure the rebound off of said and one and dunk it home. So just kind of a one man wrecking crew for KJ Martin. And I also highlighted that pass of his earlier where he made that strong cut towards the rim, got the pass from Alper and Shingun and was able to kick it back out to DJ Augustine for the wide open three. That's going to be the area that I think KJ Martin, if he's going to really excel in his game, the shooting we saw last season, right? He really worked on his shot and he's continued to do that this off season. If he can keep that shot consistent, keep defenses honest, the next level of his game to really work on and, and try to improve on is really tightening up his handle so that he can be a little bit more comfortable driving and attacking off closeouts and then facilitating out of those opportunities, which is exactly what we saw when he took that bounce pass from Shingun and then made the right read to the next guy to go from a good shot to a great shot. So that's KJ Martin's kind of development plan there. And for him to get more minutes as a true, as a, like as a wing presence and as a wing player, instead of being like a small ball four, that's what he's going to have to work on because he can't really exactly slot in at that three spot if he's not able to effectively and consistently take opponents off the dribble and score either at the rim or set up teammates uh, by using his driving ability. Pretty much anybody that you slot in at one of those three, you know, one, two, three spots needs to be able to create for themselves and create for others uh, out of, you know, dribble drive opportunities. Who else do I, who else do I have on this roster? Cause there's so many guys to talk about. Um, I mean, Jay Sean Tate, and David Nwaba came in and did Jay Sean Tate and David Nwaba things. Um, they worked hard, you know, hard-nosed defense. David Nwaba looked, you know, solid in transition in this game. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, the area of his game that is absolutely, uh, I can't say it's underrated, but, you know, when he gets going with a full head of steam, he is 
probably the strongest player on the Rockets. I mean, you look at how just filled out he is and how muscular he's, he's probably the strongest guy on this Rockets roster. So when he gets going in transition, um, this Rockets team is going to be a handful to deal with. And I think that was one of the other stats that I had pulled up that I wanted to highlight before we kind of wrap up final thoughts on this thing was, uh, there it is. Uh, so the Rockets out there, the Rockets did not out rebound the wizards. It was, uh, wizards were plus seven on the board, 61 to 54. The Rockets did facilitate a little bit more than the wizards had 24 dimes, to just 19 by the wizards. But the stat that really stood out to me was the fast break points, the fast break opportunities. So the Rockets had 17 fast break points to just six by the Washington Wizards. And so that's a sign that the Rockets were absolutely getting out there in transition, playing with speed. And that's exactly what Steven Silas wants to do. There were times where, right, and I think that's kind of the, it's like that everybody eats mentality that this roster has where there were times where C. Wood would get the rebound or Jalen Green or KPJ or David Nwaba or KJ Martin. And it didn't matter who got the board. They just grabbed the rebound and immediately started pushing in transition, trying to find uh, a crack in the Wizards defense to score before they could get set defensively. And that's what this team has to do. They are one of one of, if not the youngest team in the NBA. They flashed that graphic pregame and I felt incredibly old when they did that because Every single player was ridiculously young compared to me, and I was just like, okay, I can't do this. Um, <clears throat> so I had a bit of an existential moment there uh, pregame, just looking at the youthfulness of the Houston Rockets roster. Um, that said, they have to get out and run. And they're going to have some defensive struggles at times. The communication level, uh, it needs to be better. They're going to have a lot of uh, ups and downs defensively this year. Absolutely. It's a young team. They're going to struggle on that end of the basketball occasionally. I think that they have the tools and the personnel to kind of surprise some people with certain lineups. Uh, I think in some of the lineups where they had multiple forwards out there, like David Nwaba, Jay Sean Tate, and I think KJ Martin were all sharing the floor at one point in time alongside Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. So like lineups like that, where they've got multiple switchable, versatile forwards who can, you know, who are arguably plus defenders, those lineups are probably going to fare okay defensively. Um, even with Christian Wood slotted into that five spot, as long as he's not getting abused by another, you know, bigger bodied center, which he's shown some, you know, some struggles with previously. Um, I think this Rockets team has a chance to surprise some people defensively, but overall it's going to be picking up and learning those schemes and really getting comfortable with like the switching element, uh, the help coverages, all that stuff to really slow down opposing teams once they get into their sets and what they're trying to accomplish. But uh, I can't come away thinking, I mean, I come away thinking this was a really, really productive first preseason game. We saw a lot of different things out of this Rockets team. Uh, we got glimpses of what they're trying to do moving forward. Christian Wood looked good, albeit, you know, very low usage rate in this one for him. Uh, and one thing that I didn't remark on was Christian Wood's passing. He had four assists in this one. And I think that's going to be an area of his game that he spoke about a little bit during camp was right. Knowing that he's going to be a bit more of a focal point of the offense and knowing that other teams are going to be scouting him more heavily. Now he needs to be ready and willing to, and capable of passing out of double and triple teams when he has the ball or, or making his move towards the rim. And then instead of always and only being able to try and finish up and over defenders or through contact, being able to make the right read and, and kind of, you know, oh, I'm getting ready to, you know, rise up for a shot here in the paint, but, you know, it's kind of slightly contested or whatever. Let me, you know, let me kick it out to the wing instead because I see this defender kind of leaking in trying to, you know, get ready to secure the rebound. So as he works on his court vision, his court awareness, 
and gets more comfortable creating those opportunities for other players, um, I think we're going to see uh, you know that next step of growth for Christian Wood and, and what he's able to really be as the focal point of this Houston Rockets offense. Um, again, Usman Garuba was great in in his little stretch of minutes. Um, he hit a three pointer, and he did that just to shut me up. So. Uh, until Usman Garuba misses another, until Usman Garuba dips below 30%, I'm not going to talk about his three-point shooting form anymore because he hit that three and was definitely like, all right, Jackson, don't ever talk about my three-point shooting form ever again. Um, I will say that the Rockets did struggle. They went ice cold from three in that second quarter. Thankfully, they found their way back, managed to shoot 39.5% for the game, 15 of 38 on the evening, uh, a little under 52% from the floor shooting overall. And then, like I mentioned, those free throws, that's going to be an area of concern moving forward. Steven Silas talked about a postgame saying that uh, free throws are definitely going to be on the table for Rockets practice uh, and that they've got to uh, get that situation figured out moving forward. But I think that's all I've got for this one. Really excited to uh, revisit this game and kind of pick out some of the other more nuanced uh, things that we can dev- not develop, analyze from this one. There we go. Kind of tried to hit all of these in a flurry. And also, hey, I'm still in preseason mode and it's going to take me a minute to get back up to speed on on game breakdowns um, as I'm getting back into uh, midseason form. But with that, that's going to be it for today's episode. A great win by the Houston Rockets. A great way to start uh, this new era in Rockets basketball. And speaking of new eras in Rockets basketball, we had Ryan Hollins and Craig Ackerman in the booth for this game. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was, I thought they had a really good back and forth dynamic. Um, and as the game went on, Ryan Hollins grew on me. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how that broadcast duo fares this season. So again, new era on the court as well as off the court for these Houston Rockets. Now that is going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.